Hey guys, it's Harold. In the summer of 2017, I kind of came up with a life motto of sorts. It basically goes, serve God, love people, and tell your story. I came up with those three things during a tough point in my life because it's what I wanted my purpose to be. And I see so often that we lack those three things in our society. So truly, to live bold, we must serve God, love people, and tell our story. So I hope you'll join me on this new podcast endeavor as we search out those three things and live bold. So I put a picture of people up here first thing this morning because I love to observe people. Not very often do I observe people in a subway, mind you, because we're in Montana. But I thought it was a cool picture. But I, I love to observe people. I don't know quite a few other people like that as well. I like to pay attention to the normal people things that people are doing and try and understand what's just a little bit deeper underneath those normal people things. So I like to look underneath the surface and look at people occasionally. And so I, I love talking about that. You, if you've ever talked with me, you probably know I really like talking about the difference in generations. Because whenever you, we start talking about that, I can get super into that. Um, why? Because it's underlying of what people are. What's the difference in this older person versus this younger person? I love to see those differences and see why people think the way they do. So, when you talk to me about generations, ages, what motivates people, I like to talk about that sort of stuff. And I like to look at, at people and see what they think the outcomes will be from the actions they're currently taking. Because everybody has different thoughts about that. People will take the same action but expect different outcomes sometimes. So that's kind of, that's kind of the precursor to, to what I'm talking about this morning. Um, I stole part of this lesson. I stole it. Just so you know, I stole it from the lectureship. Um, Randy, he, I, if I say his last name wrong, correct me, anybody, but I think it's Jaeger. Jaeger? Jaeger? Randy Jaeger. I remember it was like our last name. Um, but he gave, he's an elder at the South Hills Church of Christ in Helena there, and he gave the opening lesson. Um, and it was very good. It was not titled this, but it was talking about brokenness. And so that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about, and I borrowed a few of the scriptures um, for this morning. So, I, what was I talking about? I like to watch people. I like to pay attention. Nobody looked at me weird. Pam looked at me convinced, but you should have been looking at me weird. That's weird. Right? I think that's weird. I especially like to pay attention today because social media is a thing. And I think a lot of times people are socially editing themselves when it goes to social media. I see a lot of people that were kind of like, hmm, maybe. Why do I think that? Because looking through social media, you see a lot of people's good, a lot of their enjoyment, a lot of their excitement. And sometimes I like to look at those pictures that people are posting of their good, and look at the guy in the gym that just took a picture in the mirror like, ooh, I'm getting so buff. And look at that and be like, 
Why is that what he decided to share with the world? That's weird, right? That's weird. But the reason I think I noticed that a little more and I've been paying attention to that ties in with this idea of brokenness that Randy talked about at the lectureship. I see especially, I'm not trying to pick on social media, but I, that's my generation. We see a lot of social media. That's how we know people. But I see a lot of social editing and a lot of posting, happy, I'm okay, look at me, because we're really broken people. And we're just posting the opposite of that to convince the world that we're not. So, I present today's lesson, I Come Broken, is what I'm titling this. So I see more than ever broken people. I don't think that's new, in case you caught that for a second. I don't think brokenness is new. I think it's just kind of taking a different light in our culture because we're doing our best to try and hide it. And I think that changes with every generation, a different way to hide your brokenness. But definitely this generation, we're doing our very best and our hardest to hide it behind a facade of, I'm okay. I'm great. So we're trying harder than ever to hide it. So I come broken. I do. That's why this title is called that. I come broken. But that's okay. Because God loves the broken. I come broken. So brokenness, I think, in a sense, we kind of redefined it today. Brokenness has traded places with sin. So broken and sin have traded places in our society. So I would say sin in our culture is now pretty cool. I would say it's pretty mainstream. That's weird to think about, right? Um, sin has become regularly acceptable. It, it, I mean, if you say any sin to anybody on the street, most of the time, unless it's like we mentioned earlier this morning, unless you're a child rapist, everybody thinks that's okay. And you just don't want to get thrown into prison if you're that last one. Sin is okay. Brokenness has taken the place of where sin should be in our culture. Brokenness is not okay. It's interesting to look at that and think... I can be a sinful person in this culture, in this society, but I can't be broken. It's imperfect to be broken. It is imperfect to be broken. But it should not be better to be a sinner than to be broken. Brokenness is not sinning. I also want to talk about that a little bit, and I'll keep diving into that a little bit more as we get into scripture here this morning. But brokenness and sin, I think, are, are definitely two different things. Um, and I think... Part of that switch has confused us, switching sin with brokenness. Sometimes sin leads to brokenness. Sometimes brokenness leads to sin. And sometimes sin and brokenness come all at the same time together. I don't think any of those can be discounted because I think both of them work together in times. But also, they can be very separated. 
And you can have sin without having brokenness, and you can have brokenness without having sin. I think a lot of times we, we forget that fact. Because it is not a sin to be broken when your mom passes away and you're crying. There's no sin there. That is sadness. That is brokenness. There is no shame in being broken because of the sin you've taken part in in the past. They're two separate things. Sometimes they work together. Sometimes they're individual. But I want, I want us to remember that they're, they're very different and there is a difference. So I think a good example from scripture of them being different um, is from is from King David. So if you would, we're going to pop over to Psalms 51, and most of the scripture today is going to be out of Psalm, out of the Psalms. Um, and so because of that, I'm going to try and read it as Psalm-like as I can. Try and read it as poetically, but I'm still reading it. So Psalms 51 is where we're going to start this morning. Pop open to the middle of the Bible. Psalm 51, and so the first bit of scripture I'm going to be reading is, is going to be uh, 51 verses 1 through 7. So the beginning of the chapter. And I don't know if your guys' Bible has this, but this is a little candy little header. Um, this is describing what the psalm is, right? So this is a psalm from David. And then mine goes on, but I think the important part to say, this is a psalm from David after he had gone in to be with Bathsheba. So this is a psalm written by David, a man loved by God, after he had just sinned big time, right? So let's read verses 1 through 7 first from David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. So beginning of Psalm 51, King David is writing, after coming out of sin, he's writing this psalm to God about his sin. Pretty straightforward. He's, he's in a pretty rough place writing this song. He knows he's sinned. He's asking for mercy from God. But you can also tell in his words, he doesn't feel like he deserves this mercy. He asks for it, because what else can he do? But he knows he's sinned. And he's asking to be cleansed. But he knows the iniquities he's, he's caused, the sins he's in. So, we're in Psalm 51. David just asked, 
and talk to God about his sins. I'm going to skip forward 10 verses to Psalm 51, 17. So keep in mind, this is the same chapter. Um, King David just talked about his sin. I'm just going to read one verse here. It's verse 17. David says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So throughout this psalm, David changes gears a little bit. From the beginning, where he's exclusively talking about his sin, no doubt. He's troubled because of his sin, asking for mercy. Skipping forward a little bit to verse 17, he doesn't seem to be talking about his sin anymore. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. David changes from talking about sin to talking about brokenness. He's using spirit and heart here. Brokenness. A broken spirit and broken heart. So the word contrite, I looked that up because that's not a common word we use. And so it means humbled, remorseful, things like that. And so if you think about that in verse 17 here, I have a broken and humbled, remorseful heart. I thought that was really good, because changing contrite to that really got me in the right mind space. Because I have a broken heart that I am humbled by, remorseful from, I'm going to throw another word in there, learning from, because those are both things that are positive out of brokenness. Right next to each other. Two words right next to each other. In Psalm 51 from David. I thought that was pretty good. So broken, but humbled and growing. So brokenness is not sin. It's different. Um, and that, that's why I pop, popped over into Psalm 51. To show that example, that David was working through both of those things in this psalm. They're separate things. And I think it would be pretty absurd of us to think that brokenness is the same as sin, because then it would be taking away the ability for God to use this amazing brokenness to serve him. So I think, I think the number one best example of someone being broken, but not being in sin, and God using them, is one man. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you who that man is as soon as we read this scripture. So it's gonna be Hebrews chapter two, and I'm pick up in verse fourteen. Hebrews chapter two, verse fourteen. Someone who had brokenness but not sin. I'm going to read verse 14, all the way through 17. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook in the same things, 
that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had been, he had to be made like his brothers in every aspect, so that he might become merciful and faithful as a high priest in the service of God, to make appropriation for the sins of all people. Who's this one person I'm talking about? It's Jesus. This whole verse right here is talking about Jesus. And what's it saying? He came in flesh and in blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the devil. So Jesus took on flesh in all aspects of it, including brokenness. Except for not sin, separating those two things again. Continuing on in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, so probably just down the page for you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. I'm going to read both of them. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Let us then have confidence drawn near to the throne of grace, that may, we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. This is just building on that some more. Jesus, the Son of God, is able to sympathize with our weakness, with our brokenness, because in every aspect, he was human and tempted and broken like we were. Jesus. Jesus was broken. He went through all the same human things that we have and we will go through, um, I have a few examples of times when Jesus was broken. So Jesus facing brokenness. First one I'm going to give in this example is Lazarus. In John chapter 11. And the reason I put the whole chapter up there is because you can't really take just a couple of scriptures and say this is when Jesus was broken or this is when Jesus was sad. Because it's the whole story. So I'm not going to read you the whole story today, but I, I wanted to put them up there so maybe you can take the notes. You can read the whole story and it makes a little more contextual sense. So John chapter 11, this whole chapter is about the uh, death of Lazarus. And I'm going to pick up in verse 33. In verse 33. And some of you may know already where the shortest line in the Bible is, the shortest verse, is in this. So let's read it together. I'm going to read 33 through 36. John chapter 11, 33. When Jesus saw her, talking about Martha and Mary, 
they're both there. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who come to with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. In his spirit, he was greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So then the Jews said, See how much he loved him. Not a ton of words are used here to represent Jesus' brokenness. But Lazarus, one of Jesus' greatest friends, has died. And Jesus is concerned about where he's at, and then he finds him and asks where he's laid. And there's nothing in between. We have no words in between when Jesus said, where's he at? Show me. And they're like, come see, Lord. The next thing we hear, Jesus wept. No more words, no more dialogue, nothing else from Jesus. Jesus wept, and then everybody said, see how much he loved him. Jesus was broken in that moment. Brokenness from Christ. Another example from hopping around the Gospels here is in Gethsemane. So, Luke chapter 22. This is the whole story. Again, I can't tell the whole story this morning, but if you read the whole story, we have the Lord's Supper, you have in the garden. It all works together really well. But I'm going to pick up Luke 22, verse 41. And this is kind of where we hear Jesus goes off to pray. Okay, So he just gets done talking to the disciples. He tells them to go pray. And then verse 41, reading, says, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then appeared an angel to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed even more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, his disciples were found sleeping. And they said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So what's the point of this scripture? It's not that the disciples were sleeping. It sounds like they messed up occasionally once or twice or thirty times too. Jesus was broken. Why? Because he knew what he needed to do and he was being asked by his father to do. And he was having a really tough time doing it. He came to the garden and prayed the first thing. I'm not sure I can do this. Right? Making it Americanized for you. I don't think I can do this. But it's not about me. It's about you. So your will be done. And then God comforts him by sending an angel. But he's still broken. He's sweating blood. We don't even know how that could happen. That's how distressed he is in Gethsemane. All right, one more example of Jesus facing brokenness is at the cross. So Matthew is where I'm going to be reading this. Matthew 27, again, read the whole story. 
Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to pick up in verse 45. And I'm actually skipping quite a bit of the crucifixion here to just hit a little bit. So actually in verse like 32, it's going to talk more about the crucifixion. But I'm going to pick up in verse 45. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land. That was until the ninth hour. And at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, saying, Eli, Eli, lama shabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And then in verse 41, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and the bodies of the saints that had fallen asleep were raised. A lot's happening right there. From the sixth to the ninth hour. Physical brokenness here. Jesus had just been hung on a cross, had his clothing gambled over, being made fun of, spit on. Physical brokenness. Jesus was facing it. So, I come broken. So what? Jesus came broken. It's not sin, but there's brokenness. What do we do with that? And I'm going to super oversimplify it. And I'm going to say, send it to God. And I think we already started touching on it in our Bible class a little bit. So, If we love and we give our brokenness to God, he can use So I'm going to stay in the Psalms. And I really like the Psalms because they're songs or their laments, their poems to God. So I'm not going to put them up there, but the first one I'm going to read is Psalm 5. Psalm 5, and I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 3. This is a Psalm of David again. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, and in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. This is giving it to God. Interesting, I don't think I've ever started a prayer with Oh Lord, my God, give attention to my cry. Consider my groaning. <coughs> Maybe I should start a prayer like that. Psalm 18. I'm going to read uh, just verse 6 out of this one. Again, Psalm of David. 18 verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and to my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, 
and my cry to him reached his ears. I will call upon the Lord. I called upon the Lord. He cried for help. David gave it to God. Psalm 22. I'm going to read verses 3 through 8. Again, David writes, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried, and you rescued them. In you they trusted, and were not put to shame. But I am warm and not but I am a worm, not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. And all who see me mock me. They make mouths at me, they hang their heads. He who trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. This is David given his brokenness. I am a worm, not a man. People despise me. They mock me. They don't even look at me. But it's okay, because he who trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. David's answering his own prayer while he's saying all this here. Psalm 27. Verse 7. David says again. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Just to cry out, answer me, hear me. Last psalm I'm going to reference is Psalm 55. I'm going to read 16 through 19. Psalm 55, 16 through 19. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and noon, I utter my complaint and I moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who enthroned from, from of old, say not, because they do not change and they do not fear God. Calling to the Lord. I wanted to reference all those psalms because they were all calling to the Lord in brokenness. They were prayers seeking comfort through times of trial. So, I didn't want to name this lesson I come broken. But better, I come broken to be mended. Because that's what we're seeing here in Psalm, is David giving it to God, and then because of that, God can do his part. So, I want to end with a little interesting story, history fact, I don't know what you want to call it, Bill would call it an order. So the order of the lesson is this. This is called Kintsugu. I don't know. It's Japanese. But this is a practice or a mindset. So 
in the Japanese culture, you break a dish, a bowl, a plate. You do not throw it away like we do in America. What you do is you repair it. You repair it with gold. And through that brokenness, your bowl becomes a priceless piece of art. That's really interesting. I think it's a really cool way to think about brokenness. Because yes, this bowl looks different than at the store. But isn't it awesome having a golden breakfast bowl? Honey nut Cheerios out of that bad boy. So, I want you to think about that through this week. The difference between brokenness and sin, and how God can use your brokenness. Because I come broken to be mended.
you 